or our family didn't have family vacations. We didn't go to the beach in the summertime. You know, we, we, we wrestle. You know, I don't think I did anything that no one can do or else I wouldn't have done it. It's almost like I was more excited for him to win than, 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 I, than I cared about me winning. You know, that was when I really, truly understood that you can't get on that podium without being a well-rounded wrestler. There's no reason to sleep in. You know, I, I don't, uh, you know, I think sleeping in is a little bit of being lazy. Wrestling is just like one big puzzle. There's like a counterattack to every attack that the opponent has, and it's just fun trying to, like, figure everything out. No, I think you had some uh, pretty good questions, pretty in-depth. Only fault was it I thought I could pin everybody, you know. So going into the semifinals, I didn't really have a game plan. I was like super, super, super intense. All I cared about was wrestling. You know, that's what I love to do. I want to stand. Out. I want to. I want to get in your face. I want to beat you up. For 17 years, it was like it was what I was training for, you know. And this is potentially my last tournament. It's like this is it. It's like eight mile. Like you only get one shot. I felt like he took what was mine, you know, and um, I was trying to take what was his, so just kind of how things go. Welcome to the D1CW Sudden History EIWA Preview Podcast Part 2, Episode 28 of the Sudden History Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Earl Smith. I've got to thank everybody out there listening. Last week, Sudden History had the most downloads in a one-week time period in the entire history of the show, bigger than my NCA Preview Show Week which tells me that you guys are just as anxious as I am for the season to start. Moving along to today's episode, the Ivy League Special, Part 2 of the EIWA Preview. As one may expect, all of our guests today are head coaches from the Ivy League. They are, in order, Columbia Head Coach Zach Tanelli, Princeton Head Coach Chris Ayers, Brown Head Coach Todd Beckerman, Penn Head Coach Alex Tirapelli, and last but certainly not least, Cornell's head coach, Rob Cole. So, enjoy. Our first guest on the Sudden History EIWA Preview Podcast is the Andrew F. Barth head coach of the Columbia Lions. Let's welcome Zach Tanelli. How are you, Earl? Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. So, just over two months ago, you were named the head wrestling coach for the Columbia Lions program uh, what have these past two months been like in terms of moving halfway across the country and then just getting situated with a new position? Yeah, I think I think that's exactly what it has been, is, is kind of getting myself, my family uh, situated and uh, and getting, getting my legs underneath me with this job. So it's been very crazy, very hectic, um, all very good things, though. So it's uh, it's exciting to finally feel as though I am more settled after two months and, and uh, you know, just getting underway now. Okay, so when you see there's an opening here at Columbia, what attracted you to apply for the position? I think a lot of things uh, attracted me so much to this position. Uh, first and foremost, I, I actually grew up in New Jersey. Uh, where I'm living currently is about 25 minutes away from, from my hometown. I have a, a huge family. Um, so I think part of me has always wanted to come closer to home, if possible. Um, I think th the tradition here, there's a, there's a lot of opportunity here with um with this program to develop and i really see it as a as a big opportunity we have a niche being in the ivy leagues and i think uh 
the people that have that have been a part of this program in the past have done an amazing job, and I'm just hoping to to continue that and maybe build on on some of that as well. But uh, finally, I'd say that the biggest thing is the support. I'd say Columbia Columbia University in this uh, athletic department, the basically you know wrestling specifically has some of the best support in the country um, with some of our donors and, and alumni and um, people like that make it easy to come into here and and want to do better for them. So uh, I'd say just over, overall the support surrounding this program, I, I, I put it up against any other program in the country, and I feel very fortunate to have them, uh, you know, behind me in this venture. So after you get the job, uh, what is one thing you felt, or maybe it's more than one thing, you felt you needed to either improve, change, eliminate, or implement into the program so that you will be successful? I think I think the recruiting, you know, regardless of of what it was before, I think uh, each coach is different. So I think for me, uh, kind of identifying recruits that I that that fit my style, um, fit how I want to build a program and and how I see this program going in the future, because we do have some great great young men on this on this team currently, uh, and I just want to I want to keep adding to the depth of this room. Uh, again, more specifically to the guys that I, uh, the style that I want to build in this conference. So uh, this team, I think, will benefit my experience, both, you know, wrestling in the Big Ten and then uh, coaching in the Big Ten as well. I think a lot of the direction of, of what will help these guys is being able to, to, you know, physically put their hands on people and, and hold up with hand fighting, I think, will be, uh, you know, big for them moving forward and making making a jump. Uh, in the national scene, so that's probably one of one of the bigger things that I'm looking at to do here is, is try and have more hand fighting capabilities with our team. Mm-hmm. So, looking at some of the other Ivy League schools that have been successful of late, Cornell's on a run of over a decade now of being a national championship contender. Princeton has risen up from one of the worst D1 programs in the country to become a very tough team. Have you been able to study what some of these other Ivy League teams? have done to find what has worked for them and maybe what you can implement for Columbia? Yeah, I'd, I'd say, you know, obviously you look at, at Coach Cole and, and Coach Ayers and the, the jobs they've done are, are tremendous. Um, and, and it's something that I'm obviously looking to try and do as well over here. Um, I know Coach Ayers pretty well. I've known him for a long time. Uh, him, as long as uh, many other people, have been really helpful in this transition for me. Uh, and obviously we are all competing against each other, but they've they've been great. And, and again, Coach Ayers specifically, um, with helping me out through some of the, the learning curve here of how things are different uh, specific to the Ivy than, um, and excuse me, to the Ivy League as opposed to another D1 program. So um, I think there there are a lot of things that that we're working on here, and I think that they've set up a good blueprint and, and really paved the way um, to help. I mean, it, the Ivy League schools are a more desirable place because of people like Coach Cole and, and Coach Ayers, and, and I thank them for that and, and for their support thus far. And if you could, uh, can you give a weight-by-weight breakdown of who we could see in the Columbia lineup for the upcoming season? You know, not necessarily who's beating who if you don't want to, but, you know, who's competing for spots at each weight? Who is competing for spots at each weight? I think uh, most notably, like initially, uh, Marcus Scheidel is going to be taking taking the year um, 
he's unenrolled in school. He'll be back the following year. So we're setting up a training program for him right now. But um, he's one of the notable guys that have uh, decided to take this year off and, and train to try and win a national title for next year. So um, that's probably the most notable thing. Uh, mm-hmm. 125, we have some freshmen, but let me pull this up here for you so I don't I don't miss out on anybody. I don't want to I don't want to insult too many of my guys here. Um, no, we don't do that. No, so at 125 we have uh, a couple freshmen, but Johnson Mai is probably uh, the early front runner. He's not. Uh, he took the last spring off in this fall, so he'll be rejoining us for the. Um, after the semester is over. So between him and I, I'd look at, uh, we had Britton Carter and, and Vince Pallone uh, kind of split some time last year. They'll definitely be vying for the spot, as well as some newcomers, uh, Val Mealy and Paco Robles are uh, both New Jersey guys that are, that are first years that are looking great thus far in the room. So I think they'll definitely contend. Um, but I think Johnson Mai is, is someone in there that once he's back, uh, he's been a leader with this program in the past, and and he'll continue to do so. So, he'll he'll be uh, viable there, and and be looking to make the national tournament. I know he was a, a match away two years ago, uh, before mm-hmm. he got hurt. So, uh, I think one of those guys would probably move up as well. Um, Alec Kelly is another freshman, coincidentally from New Jersey again, um, at, at 133, who stands out, um, and and maybe the three of those freshmen. Uh, obviously, only one of them can be our starter, so maybe one of them will will bump up and and look to you know challenge Alec for a spot at 133. Um, at 141, we have a lot of guys coming in there. Uh, I'd say the two that definitely stand out right now. We have some injuries, but um, Will Key is uh, is tough. So he's a he's a second year guy from New Jersey as well. Um, and then J Mac is what we call him. Jacob McCallaloy, I probably um, I, I butcher his name every time I say it, but uh, those <laughs> two of about the, the 10 guys at 141 pounds probably will be, um, you know, competing mostly between those two, with again, with, with a lot of other contributions from other people, but those two seem to stand out as, as the top two contenders for that spot right now. Uh, at 49, uh, we have a freshman, Brock Morgan, an Indiana boy who wrestled at um, – Apple Valley in Minnesota. He is uh he's he's tough. He he's you know only been on campus for the month, but he's he's showing signs of some really good things. Uh Matt Leshinger, uh Chris Arouse. We have uh you know, those are New York guys, Sam Ward. We have we have a bunch of talent there that we feel um you know will help us out. So the question there is Danny Reed, Tyler Pont. We had some guys that were at forty nine last year. Um, that are looking to move up to 157. As I alluded to before, uh, we have Marcus taking the year off, but at the same time, mm-hmm. one of those guys might be at 57. They might come down to 49. Uh, we'll shake, you know, after things shake out. So we'll see. And that kind of covers those those two weights, I'd say. Um, again, we have a, a good log jam between 41 and 57. Um, Max Elling is, is in there as well. He He had some time in the lineup last year where, I'd say he he definitely plays a role at, at 157, 65 area as well. Um, at 165, Ty Wei is a returning national qualifier. Um, ranked obviously in the preseason, he's doing a great job thus far for us. Um, 
I'm impressed with Ty. I really am. And mm-hmm. kind of seeing where, where he goes, I'm excited about getting my hands on him and having, having my touch. We're looking to bring someone in that'll, that'll be able to work out with him even more extensively uh, in the near future. So I think there are a lot of big things coming from Ty. I've been really impressed with him lately. Um, 174, uh, kind of an unknown weight for us. We have, you know, Austin Conacher showed some, some, uh, he was in the lineup last year, showed signs and, uh, he'll be going back with, with Andrew Somas. We have Blake Williams is a, is a freshman first year from, uh, from Texas. Jacob Young actually plays football here as well. Um, incredibly gifted athletically, uh, as a second year. So those, those four, basically it's up in the air as far as who's going to be, um, in the lineup there for us. Uh, Mike Fetchett at 184. Um, right now, I'd say he's the front runner to be our starter. He was, he's a captain of our team. He's um, someone that has shown again great leadership uh, qualities thus far. So he's a he's a guy that everyone looks up to. Um, he'll be the front runner. There are some some guys in Ben Jones, Don Donnelly um, will also you know contend for that spot as well. Uh, 197 is very much, uh, I think, similar to 174, is a very much an open weight class for us. Right now we have, uh, you know, Troy Hembury, we have Anthony Piscopo, Matt Doggett, um, and Michael Bolkin. So we have we have two freshmen in Piscopo and Bolkin that I think are showing really good signs of, of what they're capable of moving forward. Um, Troy Hembury and, and Matt Doggett split time last year, so they're obviously not going to be, be willing to budge so quickly. But um, I think it'll it'll be a good little contest there at 197 to see who the starter is um, as we get down closer to March, especially. Um, and then at 285 is Garrett Ryan, who's a returning qual- uh, national qualifier as well. So he's been great. He's been really helpful, honestly, to me in my transition here with his leadership ability. He's a very uh, personable, personable guy. But um, looking to get him over. Excuse me. Uh, turn in the corner because I think he, he shows some amazing offense and, and uh, has a very high ceiling when it comes to his potential. Uh, I think heavy, heavyweight as a, as a class has been about as competitive the past few years as, as it has ever been. So um, with some of these guys clearing out, obviously some guys coming back and moving up, uh, he'll have his hands full, but I really feel comfortable that, that come the end of the year he'll be in position – you know, similar to, to someone like Ty White to get on the stand. And uh, so far in your limited time you've had with the team so far, and you've actually mentioned a couple guys, um, is there a guy or guys that you've been in, maybe unfamiliar with in the past, you knew them just by name, that have impressed you while watching them work out or practice and make you think that you're gonna, they're going to surprise people this season? Yeah, I, I think at 141, you know, for instance um, – you know, I look at Will Key, who I know he was. Uh, I, I grew up going to the Edge School of Wrestling with uh, Ernie Monaco and Dave Esposito. Is, is I think one of the best clubs in the country, if not the best uh, traditionally, or you know, with their history. Uh, but I've known Will from there. Uh, actually, getting my hands on him and feeling him, I'm very impressed with his hips um, and what he brings to the table. His athletic ability. He's got some Greco background. He's he's dangerous. He's incredibly dangerous. Um, and again. J Mac at that weight. Th- those two guys, I think, will surprise people. Um, whoever it does, um, whoever does end up being the guy there, I think, is capable of doing some good things. 
Uh, Danny Reed at uh, you know 49.57. I think he's he's someone. And and Ty Pont, both those guys at 49.57. I think are really really great as well. Danny Reed comes out of out of Del Barton, New Jersey, where we have a couple kids on our team from there. Um, they have a great tradition, great program. Um, so his work ethic is tremendous. His gas tank is is tremendous. Um, I think if we clean his wrestling up, and I don't mean that to sound insulting to to Danny, um, he's got the hard things down. He knows how to how to compete. He knows how to work hard. He's got some good wins. He he, this past summer, um, excuse me, this past spring, you know, at University of Nationals, he beat a return mm-hmm. All-American from Lock Haven, so I think he, he knows he's getting better. Um, I think he just makes some mistakes, and if we can clean up the lapses in his game, he will uh, he will be very competitive at a high level. Uh, Ty Pont, again, is someone that I think he, he beat Danny out at the end of the year for the spot last year. Um, he's a winner is what it comes down to. Uh, and Max Elling is great too. So I think I think those guys at 149.57. I think we're gonna we're gonna have three guys there that are very capable to step into a lineup and then be at the national tournament and make some noise. Um, I'd say those those are the ones that really uh, stick out. Brock Morgan, I'm excited about, and and uh, Johnson Mai still recovering from his his uh, he he was injured, I should say. So he's still coming back from that. But what I've seen of him, he looks he looks great. You know, and then I'd say the freshman at at twenty five thirty three between Paco Robles and Val Mealy and and uh, Alec Kelly. I think you know one or two of those guys will represent us and and probably all see time some at some point throughout the season. I think um, other than the main guys, those those would be the ones I'm you know I'm most interested to see how they how they match up against other competition. So you're taking over a Columbia team that finished eleventh in a large deep. EIWA conference. Uh, what are your expectations for the team this season? You know, as a whole. My expectations are, are watch these guys compete. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's probably a little too early to say. Um, I want to just see these guys compete and, and fight through things. And, and the way I've been expressing it to them is, we're we're going to go in there, we're going to win, but we need to we need to win and we we need to lose in the right way. We you know we're not going to have ten guys go undefeated this season. It's just how it is it's the nature of this sport um something that i have a hard time stomaching as a coach is is watching guys um take quit and 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 not wrestle through matches um you know i alluded to it with with someone like danny reed before i'm I'm not worried about how he's going to compete and what he's going to give me um because of his heart because of how hard he wrestles um, and I can I can stomach a kid like Danny Reed if he goes out there and, and loses because of how he's going to represent. He's going to he's going to make himself proud. He's going to make me proud as a coach. So, to me, I, I look at the whole team and he's kind of the guy that that is going to be the example, the role model for these guys um, in whatever capacity he is in the, in this lineup um, of what I want to see. And then the chips will fall where they may. Um, I think we have some guys that can make some noise and, and be on the stand 100 percent. But um, again, with with only being here two months, I, I think it's unfair of me to to make too lofty a goal just yet, and I think that's unrealistic, and it's not really my style. So I want to see how things play out, and and we're going to move forward from there. Okay, if you could talk about your coaching staff, there was some news from your program last week as it was announced that 
Joe Nord would be promoted to the David and Michael Berry assistant coach of wrestling position. Yeah, so so Joe is is great. Um, he was a volunteer here previously, um, wrestled at, at Minnesota, and then coached at Gardner Webb, um, and then was back at Minnesota as well when he got his, after he got his masters. He's he's a guy that I can't tell you how many people have uh, have reached out to me uh, on behalf of him. Uh, one to vouch for him, and, and two, <laughs> asking if if he was going to be sticking around. So he's someone I, I you know, essentially because they were interested in, in gathering him and gobbling him up. So uh, he mm-hmm. was someone that, I, especially after working with him for the the past month and a half, two months, uh, it became very evident to me how valuable he was and exactly what these people are talking about. So um, he's going to kind of take on the role with the uh, with the upper weights. He, he's very active, wrestles every day, and and is incredibly sharp. So I think he brings a, a, a tremendous amount to the table here. Um, and then Steve Santos is our other assistant. Um, the experience he has just at Columbia University itself, I think, is invaluable to me um, as a student athlete. He took he's our last. Uh, or most recent All-American, I should say, taking third in the country, I want to say, in 2013, mm-hmm. um, with his only loss coming to, to one of the best we've seen in the, in the most recent years is Jordan Oliver. So um, obviously very respectable career that Steve had here at Columbia, um, knows how to win, uh, which I think is, is important for these guys here, um, was on staff as a volunteer, and then moved into a full-time position as well so he's seen you know a lot of different angles of columbia athletics columbia wrestling he's worn a lot of different hats here so he is another person that that i knew right away uh you know when i met him i, I obviously wanted to confirm that he was still interested in staying here but he was someone that i was um immediately i immediately told him i wanted to keep him on board so he's known for a while he's been here and, and i think he just helps me out in so many ways getting getting grounded and, and making sure this transition has been as smooth as possible so with those two and then we have a volunteer position available now so um trying to lock that up right now i have someone in mind uh that I can't really talk about, but we're in the final stages of getting him locked up, and hopefully that's done here in the next next week or two, and, and we can have another announcement to make. But I, I think uh, we're going to have we're going to have a, a great staff here that works well with me and is uh, you know communicates the same message of what we're trying to deliver to these these recruits and their parents, and, and the message that we're going to develop them essentially on and off the mat. You know, as, as cliche as that might sound, it's it's a big part of who I am and how I how I got myself into this position is is the impact that I feel like I've had on on young men and their development. And I think when you can develop them off the mat, it really um, it, there, there's a large carryover to what they do on the mat for themselves. Okay, coach, that's all I have for you. Is there anything else that we need to know or look out for in regards to Columbia wrestling in 2016, 2017? No, I think I think you know we appreciate the time over here that, that you're giving us the recognition. Um, I'd look out for some some commitments. You know, we're, we've been hard on the on the recruiting trail since I, I took over, and uh, we have one on board already. And, and looking forward to you know having some others commit here as as we get closer to what you guys do is uh, or the public do is you know signing day so as we do early admissions here i think we'll have a couple announcements to make so we're excited about that in the future 
and, and what Columbia is going to bring to the Ivy League and, and to the EIWA and to the NCAA. All right, we'll be looking forward to that. All right, a big thank you to Zach Nelly for joining us on the Sudden History EIWA Preview Podcast. Thanks, Earl. Thanks, guys. Our next guest on the Sudden History EIWA Preview Podcast is the head coach of the Princeton Tigers. Let's welcome Chris Ayers. How you doing? Great, great. Thanks for coming on with us, Coach. Good. Um, it, if you could, could you start off with a weight-by-weight breakdown of who could be competing for the spots in the Tiger lineup in 2016-17? Oh. Uh, you don't have to... You don't have to say who's beating who or who you'll think would merge, but just maybe the contenders at each weight. Yeah, it's tough, too, because we start school so late. So we started last Wednesday. Obviously, we had some kids here in the summer, but in relation to the freshmen and whatnot, it's pretty challenging. But uh, starting at 25, it's definitely going to be a freshman because that's who we have started there. Two really good freshmen, actually, in um, Matteo DiVincenzo, state champ from New York, and then Kaya Gazi, uh, state champ from New Jersey. Both have been pretty pretty close in the room and they they're they're going to be good i i feel very good about those two guys wrestling at 125 at 33 uh pat darcy's going to move up he was a starter from last year we we traded in a couple other guys at that weight last year in uh noah ajram and uh jake atkins and um so so i'm not sure who's going to emerge there i'd say pat darcy's probably the favorite at this point but who knows at 141 uh, Matthew Kalajic, uh he had an amazing uh, year off last year. He made a junior world team. I mean, I'm sorry, university world team. He was second at the junior world team trials, fourth at Midlands. He beat a lot of good guys. So uh, so he, he should step in and be, a, be an impact right away. At 49, it looks like senior captain Jordan Laster uh has the has is probably going to have that spot he's a two-time NCAA qualifier I think it was around the 12 two years ago um mm-hmm. so he should be in the hunt to be an all-american Mike D'Angelo our starter at 49 last year he ended up starting after Chris Perez went down placed in the EIWAs as a true freshman he'll move up to 157 um Lenny Merkin uh freshman he was second at prep nationals placed second at Fargo and Greco uh, he'll be challenging Mike for that spot. Um, he's a little dinged up, Lenny, but he's going to start live this week. So I haven't seen those two go. I have no idea what's going to happen there. And then 65 is really our biggest up-in-the-air weight class. Uh, Joe Tavoso, uh, who's a sophomore, and also Chase Piperato. Uh Chase was a state champ in Georgia, uh, and Joe Tavoso was a state champ in New Jersey. Um, had limited time on the mats last year, but they did they did get in some tournaments. So so um, they'll be they'll be ready this year. At 174, uh, John Schlafer, returning NCAA qualifier freshman Ivy League Ivy League freshman of the year two years ago, um, placed second at Midlands last year. He's really tough. He's definitely got the lead on that spot. Another up in the air weight is 184. Uh, Kevin Parker, uh, Fargo finalist this year and also New York State champ two times. Uh, he'll be challenging Ian Baker. So Ian Baker is an interesting story in that um, he wrestled 197 last year behind Brett Harner, but kind of saw the writing on the wall, did a good job, and got down to 184 uh, for this year. He He's interesting in that he was our backup, but he was in the top 10 for pins for some time uh, in the in the national rankings. I think he was third at one point. It carried pretty long throughout the season. 
I think nice. I, I think he had the pin record in California as well. He definitely has the season rep- record. So he's dangerous. I'm pretty excited to have him in the lineup. And I don't know. He's got to beat Parker, who's pretty good. 97 is a pretty easy one. Um, it's Brett Harner, our returning All-American and EIWA champ. Um, kind of had a weird summer. He had an inter- internship on Wall Street, which he got a job offer, which is great. But that kept him away for us for about three months, and I was pretty nervous. Uh, but he came back, and bam, he looks really, really good uh, in the room. I, he's definitely made a big jump with the confidence that he gained. I think from placing, it's sort of like the monkey's off your back. <laughs> now let's go mm-hmm. see. Sure. Now let's go see how high we can go. And I really think that's his mentality. I don't. I know you know Jaden Cox is going to probably be in the weight bronze medalist, but in his mind, he he thinks he can compete with anyone right now. I'm really, really, really excited to see him open up this year. He's been a little conservative in the past, I feel like, um, but I think he's got a whole overall confidence. Then finally, uh, heavyweights probably Ray O'Donnell. Uh, he was a NCAA qualifier last year. Out of all the guys that we had in, in, in the previous season, uh, he made the biggest jump last year. Um, he, had, he, had, he had a great uh, high school career, Pennsylvania State champ, placed well and nationally. He got here, and he moved up a weight because we had a pretty good 97-pounder. So he was a small, small heavyweight. Um, never quite got the feel for college wrestling that first year. Got a lot better his sophomore year, and then last year he just exploded. Um, and had a really, really good year. Again, it's so funny. It's so mental. He just, the switch went off for him and had to be a little bit more tough in a mat. And, and he really showed it. He's one of those heavyweights now. He, he tries to be exciting and he tries to really not be a slow heavyweight pace. So he, he's fun to have a team. He's, he's fun to close out duels too. So I think that's the general lineup that we're looking at. There's a few spots where we're uncertain. And here's the thing, as you know, you don't know who emerges. I mean, even uh, we have a kid, Riley DeMoss. I just don't know him that well yet. He's an Illinois State champ. He was hurt all last year. I don't even know if he's going to be 65 or 74. It's so early here. So a lot of things to shake out, but uh, the long and short of it is I think no matter what, we're going to have a pretty tough lineup. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, going back to last year for a second, you had mentioned your program got over a huge hurdle putting – Brett Harner onto the podium for the first All-American of your tenure. Um, the prior season, you had opportunities with A. Biala getting the seventh seed and Jordan Lasser making the round of 12. Just discuss how much it really means breaking through and having that All-American. Uh, it's, it's huge. It lets, it lets the rest of the team know that, hey, we can do this. And quite frankly, our whole team is a guy of a team of not big-time recruits. Uh, last year, you know, Brett never – he, he never won the state title in PA. Um, you know, we had Chris Perez, who was close, and he he, uh, he was a state champ later in his career. Jordan Lasser never won states. A. Bayala placed fifth in Florida. So the thing is, we're developing talent, but they weren't used to those big stage events. And so, you know, getting Brett through really said to everyone, hey, we can do this. Uh, and now that we have these this, this next level of recruit coming in where our classes are ranked pretty high, and there are individuals in, 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 our, in our rank, in our recruiting classes that are extremely talented. The, the mentality now is not like who's going to be the next All-American. The mentality now, literally this year, is how many are we going to have and who's going to be the national champ. So, and and that's, that's no BS either. That's, that's how these guys are training right now. And, and it's pretty darn exciting to be in this position. Um, 
and I, I want to talk about this year, but I still feel the need to put in perspective just how far along the program has come in your 10 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I believe the dual meet record was 0-35 the first two seasons with only yeah. one NCAA qualifier. Uh, just talk about the transformation that's taken place over this time period. Um, it's been incredible. Uh, I think that the program when I took over, they didn't have recruited athletes, so that was ma- the major issue. So basically, the kids on the team were, were walk-ons um, for the most part. They had a couple slots later on. I don't even know how it went. Uh, but, you know, these were kids that they just, they just wrestled uh, as an extracurricular. I will say those teams, though, in those early years, they showed a lot of toughness um, to do what they did, and it was tough for, for me and them. But they believed in the vision that we set out and that they were an important part of, our, of the future, which is happening now. And so they really stuck it out because I made it hard on them. We wrestled all D1 teams, um, and, 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 and that was extremely difficult uh, for those guys to go imagine not winning two years straight. But we, we focused on the little things, the little victories, and it's kind of just carried us. And that's, been the, that's kind of been how we've built it. I mean, it hasn't been these giant steps. It's, you know, you get your first nationally ranked recruit. He buys into your vision that you're going to be a top 10 program at some point, and you're going to produce national champs in all America. But, you know, maybe you're recruiting 50 kids that are pr- pretty darn good, and one says yes. Um, it's pretty interesting now we're to the point where we've proven that we can win at a very high level, and we're, we're, getting, we're getting more kids than we can take. Uh, so it's pretty it's – been, it's been quite a change. For me personally and the guys that, that did this with me, my coaches and, and those athletes, it's so hard to understand like what, what it was like and to get to this point where we are now. And the funny thing is, I think people look at it and they go, Oh, he, you know, I said, he must feel great about that. I don't, I don't feel great because I don't think we're to the level that we can be to. So it's, it's an interesting thing. I think people look at it and they respect it and they say, wow, that's pretty good. But I just feel like even last year, it was like, man, we probably lost five dual meets that were so winnable. Um, and, 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 and as a coach, you just want to get to that next level and to get the guys to believe. I mean, I had a team meeting yesterday, and, and these kids are bought in, but I said, why can't we be top ten now? Um, we have a really good lineup. We have, I think we have the potential for five, five or six kids could potentially be all Americans on our team. So if we get things going right, you know, we're right in the mix with everybody, I believe, but it's like getting that first All-American. They're the ones that have to believe, and I think it's starting to slowly happen. Lo- Sorry for the long answer to a short question. Oh, no, that's no. I, I wanted to hear all that. Um, so a, a young man I'm eagerly waiting to watch in a Princeton singlets, your 141-pounder, Matt Kolodzik. Um, he was from the high school class of 2015 and top 10 overall recruit. Didn't enroll last year. It's going to be a freshman. You know, what exactly can we expect from him this year? So I, I mean, you can probably expect what he expects. I mean, he thinks he's going to be a four-time national champion. Um, and quite frankly, he's proven that he can be in that conversation with his off year. Um, so I think what you can expect is the kid is phenomenal. I mean, he does everything right. He tries to score a lot of points, and he's good in every position. I mean, we have a team meeting yesterday, and I, and I say, hey, does anyone want to add anything? Which, it was a long meeting. Everyone's pretty tired. One of the captains said something. And then our freshman, Kalajic, says something about, 
wanted to be one of the best teams in the country. So that kind of gives you an indication of where his priorities are and how he feels his confidence, his confidence level and what he can do for himself in the program. And, uh, I didn't realize that you guys are, you know, just getting into the swing of things uh, as far as starting the school year. But uh, the remaining freshmen from this year are part of a group that represented the top 20 recruiting class for you. Um, it's really good group, and you did a great job of getting talent out of New York. Um, and what are your initial impressions of these guys? They're awesome. I mean, again, it's it, it, every. It's like every class just elevates us a little further. Um, I would say out of this group already, I see three leaders emerging in Kalogic, obviously, uh, Kaya Gazi and Matteo, uh, DiVincenzo. They seem to be all in, and I think everyone else is falling in line. I mean, Christian Arrano is in an interesting position where he could make 97, but he's probably going to be a heavyweight down the road. So we're kind of thinking about just trying to get him big and ready for heavyweight. Um, and, uh, you know, Riley DeMoss, state champ from Illinois, is, he's doing a great job. Uh, letting, again, like he had a year, basically he didn't compete in the postseason last year because he was hurt, but he was a state champ the year before. Um, Lenny Merkin, uh, really tough, really good. Parker, again, New York, really tough, really good. But they're just a good group of kids, too. And, and I feel like kids sit on my couch and I say, hey, we're going to be top ten in the country. And, and some of them are like, yeah, maybe that'll happen. But I feel like every one of these guys were, was like, yes, I want that. I want to be the team. I want to be the group of guys that takes this program to the next level. And they're, and they're working that way, too. And you touched on this a little bit, um, talking about Brett Harner, who we've mentioned already. Tell us a little bit about him and how getting onto the podium last year kind of mentally prepared him for this upcoming season. Uh, so Brett Horner is the best captain that I've ever been around since, you know, even Lehigh included. Uh, he's just a leader in all areas. I say you got to leave competitively, you got to leave, lead with your voice, and you got to lead by example. A lot of captains really don't have all three qualities. He does. If you ask our freshmen uh, who gave him the best advice, you know, seven out of eight of them would say Brett Horner told him something that really helped him in some way. So what Brett has done for our program, he's been one of the hugest change agents in getting us to where we are again too he he fully bought into the vision and he's really executing on it so his leadership has gone to a whole new level too because i think he feels like he can speak a little louder now that he's all american and so that's like his mentality is like hey look i did it that's done what are we going to do now uh brett's incredible honestly like he's one of those guys as a coach uh honestly he makes he makes all the coaches look good because he does have such an impact on the whole team and he makes us feel good because the messages we send, he's sending as well. Sometimes that doesn't happen and the team doesn't believe what the staff believes. And that's where where you run into problems with programs, especially with the leadership. It's two different directions, but he's on board and, and, and God, boy, am I, boy, am I lucky that he came to Princeton for sure. One guy I'll be keeping an eye on is your 174-pounder, Jonathan Schliefer. Um, you had mentioned he had some good stretches last year, winning the Navy Classic, making the finals of the Midlands, uh, facing a two-time All-American, Cody Walters, in both of those tournaments. Um, however, in the postseason, he didn't place at the EIWA Championships and went 0-2 at Nationals. 
you know, which version are we going to see of him in 2017? You know, that's the question. I, he looked good throughout the year. He just sometimes in, in competition, um, he just had some issues. And I think we're doing things uh, that we did ha- that I'm doing things that I've never done before to try to help him and, and help the rest of the team. And, you know, it's the old adage, like it's 90% mental, but programs don't spend much time working on it. So we have a, we have a psychologist, sports psychologist, the kids have access to when they need them. Um, and so that's going to help, I think, everyone, not just John. But maybe John, you know, the way the way his season ended might have sparked, might have pushed me a little bit quicker to kind of go down that road. John Schlafer can beat anyone in the country. Um, he's just got to figure out the, the routine, the mentality of every time he goes out there. What's he want to look like? What's, what's he want to feel like? If he does that, He'll be an All-American next year. He does. I mean, he goes with Harner, and it's it's literally extremely close, and they're two weight classes apart. So John just got to loosen up. He's got to he's got to relax a little bit, have a little fun, and uh, go get it done. He's incredibly dedicated. He's an engineering student. Um, you know, sometimes engineering students they miss a few few practices here and there just because of the workload so much. He lives such a good life that he's never missed. You know, and. And, and he, he wants this so bad. And I think him wanting it sometimes might get in, his, get in the way a little bit in that he's, he's wrestling a little bit tight. If you'd open up and let it rip, uh, there's a, there isn't anyone he can't be. A huge event for you and a huge event huh. for wrestling in general will be November 19th when you take on Rutgers Outdoor at the Battle of the Birthplace. What are your expectations for this event, its significance for your program, your area, and the sport in general? Uh, first is, first things first, let's talk about the sport. Uh, we may need more events like this. I love that, you know, Iowa did this and, and with Oklahoma State. Uh, and they kind of, they kind of, it was like Brett becoming an All-American. They kind of said, hey, we can do stuff like this. And so for me, it was like, hey, this is awesome. Uh, Coach Goodale called us. He said he wanted to do it. It took us about five minutes to say yes. And then we were on our way. Wrestling needs events like this. Uh, I keep saying this over and over, but uh, we don't need to save wrestling. I'm getting so tired of hearing that statement. It's like, it's old. It's like, we need to showcase wrestling. We didn't need to make it something great. We need to have events like this to create awareness and pull people together. New Jersey is one of the best wrestling states in the country. And this match really is not about Rutgers or Princeton. This match is about East Coast wrestling and showing people that, Big events like this can surround wrestling. I mean, I, I told my AD and, and all the administrators, I said, hey, we're going we're gonna to get a, well over 15,000 people at this, and they're going to come, and they're going to see that we can do a huge event, and it's going to change their mind. None of them are, are wrestling, have wrestling backgrounds. They love our program, but it's just kind of cool to show this. For the program, obviously, it gives us a lot of attention. Uh, I think it's cool doing it with Rutgers. We have had similar trajectory. Scott and I started, and he might have started a year later than me, kind of took over some programs that were struggling a little bit, and uh, he's done an amazing job. I'm, I'm, I have such respect for the program. There's some ties. I, I lived with John Leonardis in college, one of the assistant coaches. Um, so, mm-hmm. And, this, and the, the university is literally 20, 20 minutes up the road, so it's a, pretty, it's a pretty easy thing for us to get together on. And we've been promoting it, at, you know, they're promoting it hard, but we're actually promoting their event as well. So it's pretty funny. We're 
we're trying to get people to go to the Rutgers event. Uh, but it's just <laughs> it's just a great event for the sport in general. So we'll do whatever we can for it. Uh, and also, just uh, as a side, like uh, Scott told me, we've already sold, sold over ten thousand tickets. So that's that's a, wow. That's a pretty darn good start. Um, I mm-hmm. do Absolutely. I do believe we're going to probably get around twenty thousand. Um, so we'll see, maybe more, hopefully. And if you could uh, talk to us a little bit about the coaching staff you'd assembled, it's uh, very impressive. The the two New Jersey natives, uh, Joe Dubuque and Sean Gray, are two of my favorite guys in wrestling, as well as uh, got the upperweight Nick Heflin. You know, I don't know if any Ivy League school or EIWA school can you know match this group that uh, you have. We have a, we have such a it's so unique in a lot of ways. First of all, I I, I coach with two other guys who could be head coaches, um, and and and, uh, you know, like would be really good head coaches. So it's a blessing every day with all their experience. Sean was associate head coach at BU uh, before he came here. He's a two-time All-American for Virginia Tech. He's got a ton of coaching experience. And, of course, Joe Dubuque, two-time national champion from Indiana uh, and three-time All-American. He coached at Hofstra. He's coached at Indiana. And I was after him for a while, too. So finally I was I was glad that he finally chose to come here. So the first thing is, like, uh, it's like having three D1 head coaches with our experience. Uh, and then we added Nick Heflin. So it's kind of this unique thing by design, of course. It's like Joe co- covers the light weights and the light middle weights. Me and Sean kind of cover the middle weights. And then we have Nick Heflin in the upper weights. Nick's impact has been incredible. It was like the one hole we had in our program was like we needed a big guy coach. We needed our guys to have somebody to rust with. And quite frankly, I attribute Brett placing last year to Nick Heflin and having him in the room. Uh, Nick is young. He's tough. He was, he was at Ohio state, not, not as an athlete, but when they won the national title. So he knows what that looks like. So he's been an incredible addition to our staff. The funny thing about our staff, here, here's kind of the unique thing is most, most, you know, staffs are there's kind of an older guy. He's the head coach. He doesn't really wrestle that much anymore. Then you have like a middle-aged guy who could be a head coach. And then it's usually two young guys who wrestle all the time. The funny thing is we all wrestle uh, on our staff with the guys a lot. So it's kind of a fun thing where we're, 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 we're not, we're, we're all Sean, Joe and I are kind of all the same age, but we're still scrapping. So it's kind of fun where they can run a practice and I can just wrestle the whole time. And, and then I, and then when I'm running practices, those guys are wrestling all the whole time. So it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty unique situation. I think in comparison to most, most programs in the country, although I am getting a little old, I might, I might sit out a little bit more than I used to. <laughs> I don't think anybody will blame you for that. Um, well, Coach, that's all I have. Is oh, there cool. anything else you would like us to know or look out for when uh, talking about the Princeton Tigers in 2016, 2017? Uh, no, just that we're, you know, I think we've always said we're up and coming, but I think I think this is a team that's here, uh, and we just got to see how good we can become. The other thing is be on the lookout. We try to do new and unique things. We're wrestling eight teams that placed in the top 20 last year. It's it's by far, uh, I don't know Cornell's schedule. It'll probably be similar to Cornell's, but within the league, it's we have by far triple uh, the next best teams, number of, go- of tough teams to wrestle. And so we're just trying to do it in a different way, and, and it's been fun, and hopefully we'll put on a show for whoever watches us. All right, a big thanks to Chris Ayers for coming on the Sudden History EIWA Preview Podcast. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. 
Our next guest on the Sudden History EIWA Preview Podcast is the head coach for Brown University. Let's welcome Todd Beckerman. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited uh, to be a part of the podcast. Yeah, it's good to get you on the show. Todd and I go back a little while now. During the early days of my D1CW website, he was coaching at Maryland, which Beltway traffic permitting is about an hour away from me. So he welcomed, <laughs> he welcomed me into the wrestling room during some practices, and we saw a lot of each other at the dual meet. So it's good to have you on. Hey, thank you very much. And, uh, good times back then, that's for sure. Yeah. So, Coach, if you could start off with a weight-by-weight breakdown of who could be competing for spots in the Brown lineup in 2016-17, you don't need to get into specifics of who's beating who if you don't want, but just a general idea who's going to be competing at each weight. Um, yeah, it's uh, we're excited for the season. You know, we brought in uh, a really good recruiting class that uh, is going to help compete and you know push some guys in the lineup. So it, it, it's going to be really interesting to see who steps up and and takes some of these spots. Which you know, I I think that's one thing that you know we've needed in the past couple of years is you know build our depth in the room so there's competition and you know workout partners and guys always looking to get better. So um, it's going to be it, it's interesting. Because I've been kind of plugging the lineup, and I really uh, there's a lot of a lot of toss-ups. You know, there's a lot of uh, weights and spots up for grabs that uh, you know things should shake out soon to, to figure out who they are. But you know, at 125 we have uh, Mike Russo coming back. He started for us at 25, and he'll be a junior um, at that weight. And then we brought in uh, we have two freshmen in there now, Theo Powers and Trey Keeley, that'll also be uh, you know pushing to put the single on and, and start as well. So I'm actually excited to see how that one plays out as preseason and the open tournaments and the competition um, go this fall. Um, at 133, we have Jimmy Pawalski and Nick Latanzi, both two freshmen. That, uh, oh, and also Jimmy Bell, who will be a junior. So we have three guys in there um, fighting for that spot. And uh, it should be interesting. I mean, all three of them are coming in here working hard, staying after, and, you know, trying to get prepared and, and ready. So that's that's uh, an interesting weight that, again, will uh, shake up a little more this this fall and the open tournaments and, and go from there. Uh, 41, another interesting weight class. Um, Zeke Salvo is moving up from 33 to 41, um, so he's going to be, you know, he's a junior for us, and he'll be competing for, for that spot as well, and Charlie Banasek, who started for us last year at 41, is, is back there again, um, he's a junior, and then Jack Twami Kozak will be in there as well, so, you know, again, you know, have some depth there with some guys pushing each other, and you know, we'll see kind of how that plays out. But all, all three have had a good summer of training and, uh, you know, looking for uh, a bright spot at 41. Um, 49, we have Steven Galliardo, who, uh, you know, returning NCAA qualifier for us. He's um, he's back at that weight. Um, he had a good summer of training and, and kind of getting ready and, kind of going from there um so big things from him you know especially after coming off of you know the ncaa tournament last year getting the first taste of it in new york city and now you know he's looking for more this year in, in st louis but other guys that are in there are uh you know we have travis vasquez he's gonna be a sophomore for us that uh um you know is at 49 who wrestles really hard as well he's got a good style for for college and you know 
could uh, you know push Steven for the spot as well. So um, those two guys in there. And then at 57, um, Justin Stoudemire is actually going to take the year off of school and uh, use this year to uh, train. And, um, you know, he has to, with the Ivy red shirt, he actually has to, can't go to classes and has to take the year off. So um, this is a, a big year for him to make sure he's ready for his senior year. So he's not going to be in the lineup at 57, which, you know, I think – He's been a mainstay there for the last three years, but, you know, to have him the following year when everyone's a little older and, you know, I think is, you know, a good thing in the long run for the program. So guys will have to really step up at that weight class with Willie McDonald going into 57, and there may be some other guys that are trying to uh, find a way into that spot. So 57, you know, it's it's up for grabs, you know, and you know we have some guys there that really need to step up and, you know, take that spot and, and hold that spot for this year and, and then see where it goes. So that could, that's another bright area for us. Um, at 65, we have three strong candidates with, you know, last year, um, John Beerwet was a freshman, wrestled in the conference tournament for us, um, did a nice job. And then we had, uh, Christian Labrie and Richard Muniz. So, you know, all three of those guys, it was a good and bad problem to have because, you know, they kept wrestling off and, and we knew whoever, whoever won between those guys, we had a solid guy at 65. So another strong week that we're excited to see kind of where that plays out and where that goes. Um, 74, again, is uh, an interesting with Andrew Labrie was there last year. He actually he's taken the first semester off, but he'll be back next semester. And, you know, he may slot at 74, 84. He's gotten a little big over the summer. Um, so we'll kind of see. But we also have Galloway Thurston, who will be a senior from Michigan at that weight. And, and who knows, maybe one of the 65s, um, if he put some size on me, try to make a run at that spot as well. Uh, at 84, we have uh, uh, C.J. Lafragola, who's a sophomore out of New Jersey, Tucker Ziegler, sophomore out of uh, Maryland, and then Christian Mirabito out of uh, California, and then possibly Andrew Labrie. So, again, another weight that uh, guys that had a great summer and uh, looking for some guys to step up and, uh, and take that spot as well. Um, 97, Austin Forrest moving up to 97, back up to 97, you know, weight where he can, you know, focus on technique and getting better and getting stronger. And then, uh, you know, Josh Durso Finley. So those two guys at 97. And then at heavyweight, we have Ian Butterbrot that'll, uh, be back and, and ready to go this year. Had some bumps and bruises last year, but, um, he's back looking healthy and looking ready to go. And, you know, so he, uh, he'll be there at heavyweight. And, get us ready and finish finish the dual meets up. So that's kind of the lineup and, you know, there's a lot of spots that are up for grabs and, you know, a lot of competition in the room and, you know, so, you know, we'll have the best guy, best guy out there put the single on. So I'm excited for the year. Mm-hmm. A returning NCA qualifier for you at 149 is Stephen Galliardo. Um, talk a bit, a little bit about him and what he brings to the team and what can, we can expect from him in 2016-17. Yeah, you know, he's one that, uh, you know, put his goals down and um, he keeps reaching them every year. So each year, you know, he's gotten better and better and he sets those small goals to, to end up reaching the, the goal that he wants to be an All-American national champ. And, you know, I think he's put in a good summer of training and, uh, you know, really, really tough in the room, um, 
you know, kind of looking for big things from him. That's for sure, especially after last year and how the year ended and getting to the NCAA tournament, placing at the conference tournament. And, you know, so, you know, I'm excited to see uh, this last year, how it plays out, because I think he can do really good things uh, um, and achieve his goals of what he stepped on the mat what he's ready to do. So, you know, it's a big year for Steven to uh, really put it all together. And last year he was a guy who kind of broke out for you and took that next step to become an NCAA qualifier. Who do you have in the room that has been there maybe for a few years now and could be capable of a similar breakthrough in this upcoming season? That's, that's the exciting part. That's the fun part. You know, there's a lot of guys that, you know, they can step right in. I think it's 65. Any one of those guys um, should be with us in St. Louis at the NCAA tournament. I mean, all three of them are really, really talented. Um, I think uh, one of the, any one of the guys at 25 as well. I mean, I think uh, that's another weight that, you know, we've had some guys and now we have some more depth. Um, I think uh, Angela Breeze, another one that's, you know, right there, whether he goes 74 or 84, um, and then I think, you know, we've had some guys at 57 that now with Justin, now it's their, their time to shine. So um, I think there's a lot of opportunities for guys to, to really make their mark, you know, the, even, you know, their first year on the team. So it's that's the part that I like. I mean, each year this recruiting class that we keep bringing in keeps getting better and better. So, you know, uh, I'm excited. I mean, who knows? Maybe one of these guys is, you know, shines right out the gates and, you know, he's heading to St. Louis with us to the NCAA championships. And you've mentioned a little bit about the incoming recruiting class already. Uh, what have you seen from, from them so, thus far? Really, really hard workers. I mean, they're mat rats. They want to be in the room. They want to get better. I mean, I'm very pleased. We're very pleased to see, you know, you know, you, you never know. I mean, you do your homework with recruiting and, you know, you try to find the best guys that, that fit your program, not just, you know, on the mat and in the classroom, but amongst the team. And, you know, these guys that we brought in, I mean, they, they're they're soaking it up and they want to get better. I mean, they have smiles on their face when they're coming in the room and, you know, they're learning and growing and they're making leaps and bounds. I mean, they came out this summer and, you know, and then they, you know, they're here now. And so I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, any one of them are starting in the lineup this year. I mean, they're, they're very talented and they're fun to be around, you know, and that's, you know, the kind of kids we're looking to recruit guys that want to be here and want to be successful and want to be in the room to get better. And, you know, kind of building off of that, I've followed the Brown program pretty closely since you've taken over, and one of the big improvements in your tenure has been the quality of your incoming recruits. Uh, this year, it looks like you already have some good ones committed. I know you can't really talk about them quite yet, but uh, I'm sure for almost every coach, recruiting is one of the main points to focus on. You know, what exactly are you looking for when evaluating potential bears? Uh, well, you know, I think when we first got here, I mean, this, uh, you know, Brown's a special place. I mean, that was, you know, just, you know, we've been trying to brand this place for the last, you know, four years and, you know, showcase it. I mean, the campus, the academics, the Ivy League, I mean, it's, it, it's a great place to be. And then on top of that, an opportunity to, you know, win a national title, become an All-American, but leave with a degree that's going to set you up for the rest of your life. So, you know, it's really, truly the best of both worlds. So each year we kind of learn the recruiting process a little more and more of what we're looking for. And each year it keeps getting better and better. So, you know, there's many things that we look for, you know, it's not just, 
you know, again, not just the accolades and not just the academic piece, but we also, you know, when we get them on campus, how they connect with our team and our guys. I and mean, we have a, a strong knit group that's really, really close. And I think that goes a long way, you know, with the training we do and, you know, being together and pushing each other. And, you know, so when we look for recruits, we look for, you know, who fits that mold as well. And, you know, we've been fortunate and lucky that, you know, we found the guys that, you know, really want to be at Brown and want to be a part of what we're building here. And, you know, saying what I said about the improvements in the recruiting field, you had coached Brown's first All-American in 16 years during your first season, the Bears Wrestling Club and the New England RTC are up and running. You know, you're doing the right things to be successful. Is it hard to trust that process when you guys have a rough season in terms of a dual record or EIWA finish looking at last season? It does. It does. You know, because ultimately you always want to make progress, you know, in everything we do, whether it's the dual meet season with the wins and losses to, you know, taking guys to the NCAA tournament. But I know what the process, you know, and, and that's where we're, you know, still trying to learn and, you know, grow from there. But, you know, each year we're going to keep up in the ante with our schedule. Because ultimately, you know, it's, it's preparing these guys for the NCAA championship. So the more they can take losses and wins during the year, it'll help prepare them for, for the NCAA championships and the conference tournament. I mean, it's, you know, the conference tournament, again, you know, every team is stepping up. I mean, all the Ivy League teams are, you know, you know, recruiting is really stepping up. Guys are realizing the value of an education. So, you know, every team in the Ivy League alone, I mean, we wrestle them every year. They're all, you know, doing their part to bring in some of the best recruits. So, you know, we know, you know, every weekend that we're wrestling them, we have our hands full. And, you know, I think it's just only going to get our guys and our team better. So it's all about progress. And I think that's when you step back and look and you see kind of the steps that we're making and, you know, keep getting better every year. You mentioned upping the ante with the schedule and looking at yours for the upcoming season. You'll be participating in the journeyman tussle, which I believe is going to be an individual round robin type event. The Midlands, then at the pit duels, you're slated to take on Ryder and Edinburgh, likely the two top teams from the EWL. And that's not including the Ivy league schedule either. So it looks like it's going to be a pretty solid schedule for you guys. Yeah. You know, when we, we set the schedule every year, you know, it, it's not only just to prepare our guys for the NCAA championships and the conference tournament, but also to get them around our strong alumni sport. I mean, we have a strong network. So everywhere we go, we have events or functions or something afterwards to connect our alums with our team and our program. So, you know, as we go out to, you know, the pit duels and wrestle those three duels, we have a couple events there. When we go out to Midlands and Chicago, we have a strong alumni network out there. So, you know, not only just getting these guys prepared on the map, but also, you know, preparing them when they graduate with our alumni sport and kind of going from there. So it makes it kind of fun as, as we build the schedule and see new places that we can go to to get better, but then also reconnecting with alums that are in that area. So that, you know, the tussle is going to be, uh, you know, we added that event this year and I'm actually excited for it. I mean, every guy is going to you know, be able to compete, you know, you know, officers brought in some great teams with NC State coming through, Rutgers. I know Oklahoma was looking at it. And, you know, so a lot of teams that will be there that, you know, guys will be able to compete against and wrestle and, you know, get some wins. In the past few weeks, you made news by hiring a pair of new coaches to go along with Tyler Grayson. They're Jeff Alexander, someone who's a familiar face from your time at Maryland, and then John Gingrich is a volunteer assistant. Talk about what these guys bring to the program. 
Yeah, very, very excited to bring both those guys on. You know, Jeff Alexander, knowing him from days recruiting him at Maryland and then, uh, you know, training with them and, and then seeing him uh, compete his last two years when I left to come up here. And, you know, again, anytime you can get someone that you, you know and trust and rely on, I mean, that, that goes a long way. He's He's been great with the team and the program and, you know, already hit the ground running with uh, helping them get better. So he's been a, a, a strong asset this year to, uh, to add to our staff, and I'm, I'm really excited he got on board. Um, John Gingrich, another one, you know, I mean, anytime you can, you know, get a guy that's been training in that Penn State room and, you know, they won, you know, four team titles while he was there and, you know, another, you know, coming up here with that wisdom and giving the guidance of what they, you know, what he did when he was training and learning and growing. And then, you know, our upper weights are, they're loving it. I mean, anytime they can get a guy that, you know, is a little bigger that can push them and but wrestles like a lightweight. I mean, he's been another huge asset for the program and the staff and, and the whole team. Okay, Coach, that's all I have for you. Is there anything else that you would like for people to know about wrestling at Brown in 2016-17? Um, you know, I'm excited for the year, you know, and, you know, it'll be right here before we know it. And, uh, you know, we're trying to keep moving this program in, in the right direction and, you know, keep this momentum. So, you know, looking to, you know, build off of last year and, you know, let it fly. I mean, we have a lot of guys that are they're ready to compete and ready to have fun and, ready to open it up so look for the brown bears and uh anyone you know, hopefully if your schedule permits come out we'll be at the navy classic we have a lot of home duels this year and we're just gonna have some fun so uh i appreciate you taking the time to put us on the, the podcast and you know anything you know we love what you're doing and growing sport of wrestling so you know we appreciate you having us on all right a big thanks to coach todd beckerman for joining us on the sudden history eiwa preview podcast Our next guest on the Sudden History EIWA Preview Podcast is the Roger Reina, head coach of wrestling at Penn. Let's welcome Alex Tirapelli. You there, coach? Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) All right. Jump in there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So starting off, coach, if you could uh, give us a weight-by-weight breakdown of who we could see in the Penn lineup for the upcoming season, and not necessarily who's beating who, if you don't want to, but just who's going to be competing for spots at each weight? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so just starting from the lightest and going to the heaviest, um, I always like to keep in mind, I mean, we've got eight eight freshmen, you know, they've just been on the campus, you know, three weeks now, so it's difficult to tell, you know, exactly how they're going to be able to contribute, how competitive they're going to be for those starting spots. But they're certainly all, you know, using years of eligibility, so they'll be trying to get in the mix uh, to be the starter by the end of the season. Um, but at 25, we have our, uh, returning our starters in the last couple of years, uh, Jeremy Schwartz. Uh, I would say in all likelihood, he'll probably, you know, be the guy there um, without uh, barring any unusual, unusual circumstance. Um, at 133, again, returning our starter, uh, Caleb Richardson. Uh, he's three-time NCAA qualifier. Um, I would say he's probably likely to get the nod there, although they'll have some, he'll have some younger guys uh, pushing him as well. Um, at 141, we got a few bodies. Uh, Mark Master Pietro was our starter uh, last year. Uh, did a pretty good job for us. I'd say he's in the driver's seat as far as you know the likely the likely candidate to be the, the quote unquote starter. Uh, but we have a few younger guys as well that are going to be pushing him for that spot. At 149, uh, we graduated uh, T.J. Cobb uh, this past year, graduating senior. I would say the most likely candidate to step in and fill that spot is uh, Joe Oliva. Mm-hmm. At 157, uh, we turn uh, we turn May Bethea, uh, youngest of the Bethea family. 
I didn't say qualifier for us last year at the same weight, so there's no reason to think that he won't uh, continue this season at that weight class. Um, at 165, uh, we've got a few guys kind of vying to, uh, for the position. We've got Brooks Martino, who competed for us at 57 and 65 last year. He was an NCAA qualifier two years ago at 157. Uh, we also have uh, Joe Villaquet and uh, Dan McDevin. So there's a few guys there kind of vying, vying to, to make their mark as the start at 165. 174, it's probably fair to say that Casey Cannon, returning All-American from last year, stay at the same weight class and will likely uh, hold down that spot for this season. Uh, 184, we graduated uh, All-American uh, Lorenzo Thomas, uh, so we're going to have to fill the spot there. We've got a few guys in the mix. I would say the most likely candidates are uh, Joe Hyab, uh, Carson Stack, um, and Ryan Wosick going to be fighting to, to fill that spot. Uh, at 197, we return our starter uh, from last year, uh, Frank uh, Mattiase. He'll be at the same weight class. He'll likely uh, in position, be in position there to control that spot. And then at 285, we've actually got a second-year kid uh, stepping into the lineup. He was a freshman last year. Uh, his name's Tyler Hall, and he's out of New York, uh, the Buffalo area. Okay, a little bit about you and your background. You come from a family that's synonymous with wrestling, especially on the West Coast. Now, how has having a father who's a very successful coach and an older brother as well uh, helped you prepare for being the head coach of Penn Wrestling? I guess just being around it. Um, like you said, I've grown up around wrestling pretty much my whole life. I like to tell people that our family was really just about you know school and wrestling. Those are kind of the, the two things you did. Anything else was uh, you know secondary and priority. Uh, so just being around uh, a program, you know, and the running of a program, the operation, and, you know, seeing, you know, kind of the adjustments, you know, my dad made over the years to how he did things and, you know, how he adjusted, you know, to avoid certain pitfalls. Um, and then just, you know, continuing that on, you know, through my career uh, in college, wrestling for uh, Mark Johnson and Jim Heffern in Illinois, and just being mindful, you know, the things, um, you know, good coaches are doing in order to be successful. Uh, I think that was, um, man, and, and, and it, and an education in and of itself uh, that you really can uh, put a value on. Okay, so last year you had your first All-American as a head coach when Casey Kent took fourth place at 174. How special is that for you as a coach, and then how important is it for the program overall? Uh, for me individually, I mean, certainly it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a neat moment. It's a moment, you know, it's one of those moments it's like, a, you know, to have a first of something, like, it's never going to change. And I'll probably remember that, I mean, for the rest of my uh, coaching career. Um, to have it be uh, Casey, you know, it was, was, you know, made it all that much, you know, more um, more enjoyable because he's such a, a great kid and a really hard worker. And, uh, yeah, just a pleasure to coach. So, as far as for the program, I mean, I don't know. I'd say it's more of the same. Uh, Penn Wrestling certainly isn't a – uh, a stranger to uh, putting people on the podium at the NCAA tournament. So I think it's a good step. It's a good step in the right direction to show people that, hey, we, you know, we're building. You know, we've got things moving in the right direction. You know, focused on improvement. But, it's uh, you know, we're not a program where, you know, the all, an All-American you know, is an end-all, be-all of our season. And, that you know, that's going to determine whether it was a successful, you know, or an unsuccessful season. So it's a step in the right direction, but certainly we are, we're excited uh, for bigger things uh, ahead. And then to talk a little bit about that season Casey had individually. You know, he raised a lot of eyeballs, placing third in a really tough weight class at the Southern Scuffle. 
then goes one and two at the EIWAs as the second seed, but then finishes as an All-American with three pins and a major um, after coming in unseeded. Yeah, I, I think it's, a, it's definitely a credit to the, you know, the IWA conference uh, and, and how much talent I mean, we have you know, coming out of this conference for a guy that had you know, one and two at the conference tournament and ends up fourth in the country. So certainly it's a feather in our cap there. Uh, Casey was really pretty consistent for us all year. He was pretty steady. He was a guy that was slow to break into the top ten in the rankings, but really beat a lot of a lot of quality guys over the course of the year, you know, including finishing third at the, in the Southern uh, Scuffle. He had one bad weekend. That was the conference tournament. Um, got headlocked and pinned in a match, and then uh, wrestled a kid that he had beat a couple of times before. You know, didn't finish a couple of scoring opportunities. All of a sudden, it's in overtime, and the guy falls into a score, and and that's the end of his conference tournament. Um, fortunately, he was able to, to kind of shake that off and, and reset and get himself mentally ready for the, the NCAA tournament and, and get it done there. And also with last season, the team had a 6-6 six and six dual record, which was down from 9-4 and four during your first season. Overall, was it a more difficult season than your first? I think I came, when I came in my first year, we were pretty senior heavy. Uh, we had a lot of upperclassmen, you know, juniors and seniors. Uh, so I think that makes it easier from a from a dual standpoint. Guys have been there before; they kind of know what to expect. Um, there isn't there isn't a lot of surprises as far as the grind of the college season. Uh, so that made that transition easy from a from a dual perspective. But it's hard to put together strong you know, dual teams. I think that requires a concerted effort, and that's what we want to do. That's what we're trying to do: is put out a, an outstanding product. So we're getting closer you know, to where we need to be, but certainly, yeah. We want to be further along the road than we are at any given time. And a guy that I thought would have a breakout year for you in the past was 197-pounder Frank Matthews. Um, I believe he's had to deal with some injuries during his career. You know, is he set up for a big year? Because 197, as it typically does, is kind of cleared out from last year. Uh, Frank's doing all the right things now. Um, he's come back. He seems to be in good shape. Attitude's right. He's, you know, got in a good summer. I think he's, you know, going to be in position to do big things this year, but, you know, we'll see when, when competition starts. Um, he had a little bit of an unfortunate circumstance last year where he hit his head at the conference tournament. Um, diagnosed, they diagnosed him as a concussion. They wouldn't let him continue. You know, he was left on the outside looking in when the, when the at-large bursts were handed out. So he's had two years of eligibility and hasn't wrestled the NCAA tournament yet. So it's tough to say, you know, how he's going to be, you know, his, his first experience there, his first time competing there. But I know what he's capable of. Uh, he's able to, if we're able to help him reach that potential, then he's going to have a great year. And so this year's team is going to feature four wrestlers with NCAA championship experience. Um, is this going to be the group that helps uh, Penn Wrestling get back you know, towards the top of the EIWA, a spot the school routinely contended for you know, maybe around your time as a competitor? Uh, I, I mean, it's going to be one of the groups. I don't think that's a, something that happens in any given year that, you know, one class, one group of kids can take responsibility for. I think, you know, the graduating seniors, you know, do the best they can, you know, reset the bar, you know, raise the bar a little bit. And then it's up to the next class, you know, to raise it, you know, beyond that. I think that's kind of how this program has evolved. And that's how they got to the point where they were finishing the top 10 in the country and putting multiple people on the podium, you know, every year. Is that the class, you know, after, you know, the graduating class, just continue to raise the bar. So that's really what we need to do. That's where we're, what we're communicating to our guys. I think we have the right guys, the right team culture in place to do that. Uh, it's just a matter of taking those steps. And 
your group last year finished six in the nation when looking at team GPA from what you said before about your uh, family stressing education. I'm sure that with your previous experience coaching at Stanford with high academic standards for recruits and a challenging curriculum for the student athletes, that was not new to you. And uh, it would be an area that you'd stress. Just talk about these guys getting it done in the classroom as well as on the mat. Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, I'm th- very thankful that we get to work with the, the type of kids that we work with. Uh, I always tell people they have aspirations in wrestling, but that isn't where, you know, their passions and their aspirations end. I mean, they also work very hard in the classroom. When they leave us and graduate and go on into society, they work very hard, very hard at their jobs. They work very hard at good, being good, you know, men of character, you know, good family leaders. Um, yeah, they're just a real pleasure, you know, to be around. I'd like it as much as I'd love to, to take credit you know, for our, you know, academic achievement. We certainly talk about it. We stress it. You know, we make sure that it's important to guys as we're going through the recruiting process and as well as when they get here. Um, but really, our guys are the ones that deserve all the credit. They're very dedicated. They work very hard. Um, they do a good job prioritizing, you know, school and wrestling, and it shows. And so looking through your schedule, one thing that sticks out is the Keystone Classic, which you typically host around mid-November, um, in addition to some of the tough teams that were competing, like uh, Pitt and Ryder, you have Penn State joining the fold this year. Defending national champions are a huge boost to this tournament, as well as a big hurdle for you guys to compete against. Talk about uh, that tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, honestly, I, I didn't know anything about the Keystone Classic uh, before I came to Penn. I'm on the other side of the country, so it was never really an option. I was coaching on the West Coast. Uh, came in at my first event. I was just extremely impressed and what we've done is just try to make it better you know with each each passing year better experience for the wrestlers and the coaches a uh, better experience for the fans you know an outstanding uh, competitive field uh, we were fortunate enough to, to land penn state this year the defending national champions and certainly they're going to raise the level of competition at the event um, it's unique in the sense that it's, it's an invitational it's an individual tournament in november when predominantly you know, most of the events held at that time are open events um, so it's an invitational, so it's all Division One teams, it's all Division One competition. Uh, so the coaches and wrestlers uh, really like that. They're getting good bit, uh, bang for their buck when they come to this event. Uh, it runs really smoothly, uh, and, yeah, with, uh, I think it, we're going to expect some, uh, some exciting competition this year, this year's event. Okay, Coach, that's all I have for you. Is there anything else that we need to know or look out for in regards to Penn Wrestling for 2016, 2017? Hmm. We've got some big things in the work. Uh, we're doing some like, exciting things in Philadelphia. I would say one of the uh, one of the biggest things, actually, we've been uh, pretty heavily involved at the uh, Pennsylvania Regional Training Center. And uh, getting mm-hmm. that set up, that's actually a collaboration uh, with us and Drexel, uh, who's actually across the street from Penn, yeah, if you haven't been to campus. Um, but, yeah, bringing in Brandon Slay, the executive director, the head coach there. Got some you know resident athletes come in. They're committed to training. You know, they're around our guys. They can be around that you know that level of competition. It's uh, it's all good. It's all exciting. Exciting things uh, happen in Philadelphia. All right. A big thank you to Alex Tirapelli for joining us on the Sudden History EIWA Preview Podcast. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Joe. Our next guest on the Sudden History EIWA Preview Podcast is the head coach for Cornell University. Let's welcome Rob Cole. Welcome, Thanks, Coach. Earl. Well, thanks for having me on. 
Sure, sure. Coach, if you could start off with a weight-by-weight breakdown of who could be competing for spots in the Cornell lineup for 2016-17, you don't need to get into specifics of who's beating who if you don't want to, but just a general idea of competing where? Sure. Well, I mean, whatever I tell you, of course, will change the second I get off the phone because I'll break a leg. But at uh, 125, we've got Dalton Macri uh, returning and uh, Dalton had a great freshman year, and we expect to have a significantly better sophomore year. Um, you know, we got to, uh, uh, Noah Bachman looks fantastic. Uh, he's coming in as a true freshman. And those are really our, most of the depth we have at 25. 33 uh, uh, front runners are, are, well, not front runners, but Mark Gray is coming back down from 141. He looks, uh, he looks fantastic as well. He's got his weight under control. And he's finally healthy. He's been, you know, been, been, really sidelined with, with one injury to the next injury over the last couple of years and people don't know how, how, how much he was hurting. Uh just thought, oh he's just he was just worn out. And his body was a little worn out, but he's he really looks good now. Uh his back is better, shoulders are better, everything looks good. Uh, Chaz Tucker uh, is also in there. Chaz had had a little minor surgery on his on his wrist so he won't be back until second semester. One forty one, I've got uh I've got my own son, William. He had a, he was in and out of the lineup last year, and then tore his hamstring. I'd have surgery on that, uh, so he should be back. Uh, and on, uh, in addition to William, we've got let's see who do we have? We've got uh, Trent Gillum from from California, California State champ. Um, we've got a couple of Russo boys banging around in there. We've got a, a pretty good depth. Uh, Dylan Real Budo right now is kind of kicking the idea of going up to 40, 49. We'll see how that works out. I'd like to make sure he certifies down at, at 41 because uh, we have Joey Glosso at 49 who's coming back after a, a freshman year who national qualifier at 149 and, and looks uh, vastly improved from last year. 57, Dylan Palacio returned. Dylan was going to go back up to 65, but he's going to wrestle in the world championships for Uruguay uh, this, this fall. And, and that weight, I think, is like 154. So his weight will be down and shouldn't have any problem. He doesn't want to make 54, then all of a sudden try to go back up to 65, mm-hmm. which is great for our team. That means with 60, 65 and 74, um, whichever weight uh, Brian Real Budo goes, everyone else will go. Uh, so if Brian goes 65, they'll all go 74. If he goes 74, they'll all go 65. And we have just a just a, a, a room full of phenomenally talented wrestlers. That we're battling, we'll be battling out guys like Ty Walter. Uh, I've got uh, Drew Garcia, uh, Dylan Artiglair, Brandon Womack. I, I'm sure I'm forgetting some numerous kids, <laughs> and I, I don't mm-hmm. mean uh, Malik Dawkins coming in as a freshman. And, and there's just a, a host of others. I hate to name one because I, when I don't when I don't mention the others, I they feel slighted, and I don't mean to do that. 84, yeah, of, course, of course, yeah. Gabe, Gabe Gabe Dean is back and looking for his third national championship. 94, we've got Owen Scott back, but he won't be back until second semester. Uh, he's got that because of his uh, how he how he's set to graduate, and and uh, behind him and pushing him, we have Jake Anderson uh, and uh, Ben Honnis, uh Jake Taylor. Depending upon he had he had some surgery over the summer. Depending upon how he heals up, he'll either be out or out or in the floor for the whole year. And then finally at heavyweight, we've got uh, Jeremy Sweeney back along with. Uh, the main the main guy pushing him is Craig Scott, and Craig's beefed up quite a bit over the last 
a couple of years. He came in at 170. Over the last five years, he's put on oh about 100 pounds. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's almost you know on a, on a bad day he's 270. On a good day he's uh, 255. Uh, so and he's and he's six three six four. So he just slowly put that weight on, and he looks really really tough as well. So overall, it's it's going to be a, a real solid team. Obviously, in order for us to get a, a trophy at the end of the year, we need some guys uh, who aren't in that top eight to finish in that top eight. But I do believe we have some guys who are going to surprise make some surprise people this year. So in the 2015-16 season, Cornell finished with three All Americans, two of which were NCAA champions but finished seventh in the country. How do you look back and evaluate last season now that it's in the rearview mirror? Because uh, you've set quite a high bar for the program. Yeah, I, you know, we, were, we had a, a nice tournament, uh, minus Brian Realbuto blowing out his knee in the first match. If, if Brian places were top three, top three, uh, I don't know if we could be second or not, but we'll be right there banging on the door. Uh, so it, it would be a, phenomenal tournament as it was it was still a good tournament anytime you have two national champions you can't come you can't complain uh, as a dual meet team we won the ivies again we won the eastern as a tournament team we won the easterns those are obviously two of our biggest goals coming into the season every year it's a you know people expect to say, say it's a foregone conclusion because we've done it so consistently but it's it you know you got to be uh you got to be right on the right days and, and there are certainly days last year where had we wrestled uh uh, yeah, some variety peers, we would not have had the the team to to win it. So this year, I feel like we have significantly more depth. We can we can ride out a few of those those bumps and bruises uh, uh, with with a little more power. Last year, we ended up we were forfeiting either one twenty five or one thirty three, I think three times. Which in in the history of my coaching career, I, I think that's happened one other time where we forfeited a weight. So I hate doing it, but you can't bump somebody up from from below 25 because there's no other way mm-hmm. and we just had a situation where everyone grew and and uh, that we had sickness and uh fell into an uncomfortable un- situation that won't happen again this year and i don't expect it to ever happen again so going through your lineup talking about a few of the guys um you had mentioned mark gray he was a huge recruit coming out of high school made it to the round of 12 as a freshman uh you said since then he's been up and down between 33 and 41 and dealt with a bunch of injuries uh, just go into more how is he at this time and what can we expect from him in his final season? Well, last year I I, I wanted to bump Mark up partially because we need him at 41 and, and two because I, I, I could see how tough uh, I could see how tough Nashawn Garrett was going to be. And I didn't want those two wrestling off. I felt that Nashawn had a step on him last year and ultimately, you know, obviously he had a step on everybody. So, you know, I'd rather had I, my, my goal was to have him go up because he wanted to, as opposed to because he had to, and mm-hmm. and so it wasn't like he went up and, and he had to go up because of the weight. Just felt like it was the best thing for the team. And then he struggled, lost his confidence. But it was the problem was he's he had uh, the year before that, and at the end of the year, two years ago, he had all kinds of uh, shoulder and neck issues, which you know, although not life threatening, not but it was his performance uh, uh, affecting. You know, it was it was a kind of thing where he lose strength in his in his hand. So he had the surgery on that, but it just never, never really had a chance to come back and lost a bunch of matches and lost his confidence. And he needed, I think he needed a little time away and, and a good summer training. And he's, and he had both those and he's come back and look fantastic. Now he's got to stay looking this way. We obviously we, he'll have setbacks along the way. Hopefully they're not too major. And, and if he, and I really feel he's back to the form he was at when he was in, you know, a national all American caliber kid. Um, time will tell. Um, so one of the 141 pounders you mentioned is your son William. 
Uh, what's the dynamic like coaching your son at the college level? I imagine it must be very rewarding, but maybe frustrating at some level as well. Uh, you'll have to ask my assistant coaches. I try not to coach them, to be mm-hmm. really brutally honest. I, I really seldom coach him. I try not to. It's, uh, he uh, kind of a pleaser, and you know, if I raise my voice, he he shrinks. So I sit back and just let him wrestle, and don't try to get too involved. Okay, a returning All-American for you at 157 pounds, Dylan Placio. Uh, talk about him as he's one of the biggest personalities in D1 wrestling today. He's very entertaining to watch, maybe not so much, you know, from the coaching corners uh, sometimes. Uh, what is it like to coach him? Yeah, you know, this is going to sound bizarre, but I think he might be one of our most improved wrestlers this year. He did play soccer for the first time in two years. He mm-hmm. he's, He wrestled. Uh, in the spring, which he doesn't always do, and, and you know he's a he's a character. I will say, <laughs> I love him or hate him. Uh, I love him when he's on the mat. Sometimes I hate him when he's off the mat. But I've known Dylan and his family for a long, long time. His uncle was my roommate in college, uh, so I can co- I, you know I feel like I've got a very extremely strong relationship with him. And I know that when the, when the chips are down, he's the guy where you want you want on the on the mat representing your team. And uh, he's matured quite a bit over the last couple of years. And he's, he's also just a fantastic student. People don't realize he's not just a great student. I mean, he doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. He's, he's a uh, he was a four zero last semester. I mean, this is just a, a really good kid off the mat. Uh, when he gets on the mat, he, <laughs> he, lets, he lets his emotions get the best of him. But that's why he wrestles so well when he's like that. Mm-hmm. He just lets it all hang out. And, and I, in all of my coaching. I have never had anyone with the oxygen carrying capacity of, of Dylan Placio. Uh, sure. I, tell, I, I tell everybody he's got the, uh, the lungs of a Tibetan Sherpa. This guy does not get <laughs> tired. And if the, it, he would be a four time national champion, champion if the match was 20 minutes long. Uh, he just has to not give up points that first three minutes and, and he can beat anybody. I truly believe that. Um, Talk about the condition of Brian Realbuto. Last year, he entered the season up at 174 after competing the prior two years at 157. He has a great regular season, gets the two-seat at Nationals. You mentioned he injured his knee in the first round and goes 0-2. You know, talk about his weight shift now and where is he at this point in time. Yeah, and he was losing that first match regardless of the of the injury. The injury did cause him to lose his first match. It certainly cost him to lose his second. Probably shouldn't mm-hmm. wrestle his second match, but he wanted to do it for the team. Um had a great year, had matches that were a little closer than should have been. Um, at 674, he's got to be perfect. Um, I mean, he's depending on how big he gets, will depend on, on what he does this year. But he feel, I feel, we feel he can win the national championship. Um, you know, but anybody can be knocked off. And, but said so he's he had two, he had surgery on his shoulder and a shoulder on his knee over the, uh, in the spring. He's already back. He's way ahead of schedule. Uh, I expect him to be back in the in the lineup before the end of the first semester. And Gabe Dean will be competing for and attempting to win his third NCAA title this year. That third title puts him into a very exclusive group historically. Now, how is this year's version of Gabe Dean going to be better than past seasons? I don't care if it's better or not. <laughs> you know, he's won two national championships in a row. I. I I'll take I'll take the old Gabe. I'll take the new Gabe. He's he's you know, he's just a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, and uh, a little bit smarter. I will say I think he's I do believe he's a better wrestler. Uh, and yeah, remember he's 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 relatively new to year-round wrestling. He played football pretty much 
seven months out of the year and wrestled five up until high mm-hmm. college. Great leader, great kid, great student. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. You know, I don't know what else I can say about him. He's, you know, he's, he's always every time he steps on the mat, you know, he's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fist fight, and it, that's the kind of guy you love having out there. He doesn't always uh, go out there and look the prettiest as far as the skill level, as opposed to like Nashawn, who just you know he dazzle you with the speed, and grace. But he, he you know, Gabe will you know, beat you down, and there's a, uh, a beauty in that as well. And do you worry about his mental state at all approaching the third title? We've seen wrestlers in the past maybe think about it too much when they're approaching a historic milestone and kind of have the attitude of just wanting to get over with it. Do that be dangerous? I don't know. Have we? I mean, give me some examples of that. I don't know. I've, I I don't know too many guys going for the third who lost it. So I know a lot of guys who won it. I, I I hear that people say that, but I don't know if it's true. I, I think it's probably not. I think there's a reason why they've won two prior to their winning their third, and I don't see why why that would change, other than giving him confidence, knowing that he's won two uh, before that before he wins the third. Okay. Um, looking at your upcoming schedule, it's you know pretty daunting. You have Las Vegas in the Southern Scuffle, the big individual tournaments, road duels at Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, plus you're hosting Missouri. You got Rutgers grapple at the Garden. And that doesn't include any of your Eastern or Ivy League duels. You know, what can you say about putting this schedule together? You know what? I, you, know, you you look at our schedule and people say, oh, it's a tough schedule. I'm like, well, you know, you only have 75 Division One programs in the United States of America. You know, it, there's about 30 of them that are fairly weak. So, you know, and the other ones are, are all pretty tough. Almost so. Basically, fifty percent of your match, over fifty percent of your matches, should be against somebody pretty tough. You know, every Big Ten mm-hmm. team has, has got a t- much tougher tournament schedule. I mean, a much tougher schedule than us. So, no, I don't think it's that tough. Um, I wish it could be a little bit tougher. I don't see any reason to wrestle anybody that we're going to blow away, and yet we have to. You know, just because it just it's it's just hard geographically to get to where you want to go, and it's hard to schedule these Big Ten teams because they've already got such a tough schedule. They don't want to wrestle another another tough team. Um, but I, I like how we front end a lot of our power and then and then go into the Ivy schedule and some of the uh, regional matches that we have that we know we're going to win. So you, you beat the kids down and you build them back up, kind of like the military, mm-hmm. you know, and that that's how our schedule. And we finish up on the, you know, peaking for the nationals. And, and so I do like the, the flexibility that the Ivy League gives in our in our schedule and having some matches where we should win at the end and, as opposed to all of a sudden you're wrestling Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State in your last three matches at the Big Ten. And we're, we're wrestling matches that we should be winning. Okay, Coach, that's all I have for you. Is there anything else that you would like for people to know about wrestling at Cornell in 2016-17? Uh, it's going to be a great year. We've got a super good group, kid, group of kids. Uh, have another great class of recruits coming in, so the future looks bright. All right, a big thanks to Coach Rob Cole for joining us on the Sudden History EIWA Preview Podcast. Thanks, Earl. Again, that was part two of the EIWA preview, and that's probably about as close as I'll ever get to the Ivy League. I mentioned last week, and I'll mention it again. Check out the written material. The EIWA preseason rankings have been posted on D1CollegeWrestling.net, along with a conference duel schedule, top non-conference duels, and wrestlers to watch. Before we go, as always, check out the Matt Talk Podcast Network, The shows have been rolling in, preparing for the regular season, and pay attention next week. The Conference Preview Podcast will be featuring 
the MAC conference. Until then. How the hell do I get off this stage? <laughs>